This is episode 69 of ActorCast with Michael Toe. Welcome to ActorCast, the podcast that broadcasts the work, advice, and insight of actors, writers, directors, producers, and other industry experts in show business. I'm your host, Patrick McAndrew. Sit back, take notes, and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of ActorCast. Thank you so much for tuning in today, where you are learning the latest and greatest information from entertainment industry experts. And boy, do we have an amazing expert joining us for today's episode of ActorCast. Today, I am joined by Michael Toe, and Michael is a Chinese-American actor from Boston, He is a versatile TV, film, and theater actor who will be seen in Apple TV Plus's highly anticipated limited series, City on Fire. From creators Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage, Michael will play the series' regular role of Joe Young. Michael previously recurred on NBC's Law & Order and has upcoming recurring guest stars on Taylor Sheridan's Lioness, opposite Zoe Saldana and Nicole Kidman, and stars Rising Cannon. He is also known for his starring role as Little Handsome in the Tribeca Darling Lucky Grandma and the Oscar-winning film Sound of Metal. Michael is also a co-creator of Toe Arboleta Films, a company that has made numerous Asian-American social justice shorts and videos seen by millions of people around the world, including That's Not the Nanny and Coughing While Asian. Everyone, this is an incredible story that we talk about with Michael today. He walks us through how he actually started his career as a stockbroker and how he transitioned into a career in acting. We talk about his process for getting involved with the industry, why he was so passionate about creating short films around social justice, and we also discuss the tragic loss that he faced last year and how that informs his work today. There is a lot packed into this episode. If you like it, head to actorcast.fm and please leave us a review to let us know your thoughts. Leaving a review really helps in spreading awareness about the show. So without further ado, let me please introduce today's guest of ActorCast, Michael Toe. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to ActorCast. I'm so excited for our guest today. We have Michael Toe joining us on the show. Michael, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Hey, Patrick. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. I'm so excited to dive into this conversation because I think it's very inspiring to have actors like yourself on ActorCast, where you might have started out in another career. Acting has always been a passion of yours, but you started out, and we'll dive into this a little bit, as a stockbroker and then transitioned into acting. And I think it's always inspiring for our listeners to hear these kind of stories because I think today in our instant uh, gratification world that we live in, 
sometimes I feel like actors, they reach 25 and they're like, oh, my career's done. Like I didn't make it when I was 18 years old and that's that. So I think it's really important to, to hear stories from people like yourself who, who've explored life on a variety of different facets outside of this acting world. So I'm very excited to, to have you on the show and to have this conversation. Yeah, thank you. I, I, uh, it has been a pretty crazy journey uh, and a kind of an unexpected one, but I'm happy, I, I can't wait to, to uh, talk more with you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm wondering if you could just maybe start out from, you know, as I was mentioning, you started out in a career as a stockbroker. Kind of what led you down that path and then what inspired you to make the leap into acting? Yeah, I loved acting as as a kid. I, I was like the lead in plays. I remember in the second grade kind of doing uh, my, I, I, I had this music teacher who was fantastic. She, we had a school that had went from like second to eighth grade and I'm oh, sorry, first to eighth grade. And so it was basically you had this te- a, a music teacher who could work with you for years. And she saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and and really gave me a lot of support in, in, in it. Uh, so I was, you know, did a lot of acting. She even tried to push me towards the, towards doing more kind of next level stuff, uh, you know, some lower level professionals things, but, um, I, I really wasn't ready there. Um, just not really understanding what that career would look like or, you know, just what a next level would be. But, um, yeah, I gave it up and, and went, you know, did more sports and with my free time after, you know, in high school and, uh, went to, you know, kind of did the, you know, I always was a big uh, finance guy and, and built a career as a, as a broker and then a, my own financial planning practice and, and kind of did the hustle there. You know, kind of, I started out, my path is always kind of like that where I came up a little bit. Uh, I switched majors midway through college and it was one of those things where I, because I was behind, I had a, I always felt like a chip on my shoulder. So I had to kind of work harder than everyone else to build up a practice. I didn't have the name, the same pedigree or the same training education of, of uh, someone who'd been in finance for their whole, you know, you know, since, since the beginning of school. So that's kind of where I was. And, you know, and I built a pretty successful practice and, you know, I, but I learned a lot from that business side and the idea of kind of uh, what it took to kind of, to kind of start and go against odds. So, you know, I think I remember as a, as a broker, we probably, they, they hired a lot of people right out of college. It probably was like a hundred, a hundred, younger people, you know, that they hired throughout the first two years. And I remember at the end of, you know, two years, it was probably three or four of us that, that remained. Um, so, So that path is very similar to the path that I took as a, as an actor, you know, 10 plus years later, I started acting back in my thirties. So it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of lessons that I learned, uh, you know, from that, from that career. I I still do it. I, I own a financial plan practice still now. Well, I think what's amazing about that, is, and we actually, I just had a an artist career coach on the podcast, a good friend of mine named Roger Lee, and something that we were discussing was how important it is for actors to have a business acumen to their careers. I feel like a lot of times artists just want to focus on the art and they don't want to be bothered with kind of the business money side of things. But I imagine that that must have been a, a great advantage to you working in your career, having this, you know, more business financial background. How do you find that 
your background in finance has worked well for your acting career? Yeah, it's not even just my background in, in finance. I went towards the idea of building a practice. So as a broker, I needed to come in with clients. It's not like all of a sudden I came in as as an analyst or somebody who had, you just kind of come in and you kind of do the analyst piece. I had to build a business. I had to build my own client base. And when you kind of have that that kind of mentality, you you if you don't start something, nothing's going to happen. You can't really expect people to give things to you or all of a sudden you just kind of come in and it's the same analogy coming in and saying, all right, I'm going to do some, I'm going to analyze, you know, I'm going to be an analyst for certain stocks and look into certain companies. Well, because I love doing that, for example, but you can't do that if you don't have clients. So you really have to build the client base and then you can, you know, practice some of those pieces. Same with acting, right? It, you could be the best actor, but if you don't have an agent, if you don't have, if no one knows your work, if you're not in shows or productions or plays, no one's going to see it. So you kind of, you do need that, that both sides. And so having a full career on that business side and knowing how to, how, it, what it takes kind of to be successful on that side, it was, it's kind of ingrained in me. It's kind of a natural thing. When I came for the acting stuff, it was like, all right, this is, this is something that if I want, I'm going to have to get it myself. I, I it's not going to be like all of a sudden, like, oh, I never believed in the, oh, you're going to, all of a sudden you'll be discovered. And then next thing you know, you're, it was never that. It was like, I, I, I know it's going to be the grind. And, and my, my mentality was the, I'm going to, I'm going to grind harder and smarter than others to, to, if I can't do smarter, I'll have to do it harder and, and vice versa. So it's one of those things where, um, that, that kind of set up for, from the, from the business side really helped me uh, for my acting career. Yeah, it's it's really inspiring to, to hear about that. Also very inspired just by people who who kind of have these skill sets in seemingly two different areas, specifically in, you know, uh, stock brokerage and, and acting. They would seem like two separate sides, but you're really having this opportunity to combine the two. And so... When you decided, okay, acting is going to be something that I'm going to pursue more seriously, how did you go about the process of kind of getting involved in the industry? I know that you have a, a series regular role coming out on Apple TV+. Plus. You have had a lot of recurring guest star roles as well. How do you go from you know, working full-time on, on your own business to finding success in an acting career sure well partially with my acting it was never i never really saw where it could go so i always i could only see right in front of me and and at that point i i actually i live in boston and they just got in the massachusetts tax credit uh film tax credit in, in massachusetts and so they've had some movies in in town and and so it was it was just all right well i never thought of la or new york it's like well this is in my town in my city now and there's some uh, it's so cool and maybe i can kind of it'll be great to kind of meet some famous people and doing some background work and then so it was like that and then i'm like all right well now that i kind of got a little bit here and well let's 
I'd love to do plays again. I'd love to show my daughters like what it's like to kind of what I did as a kid and what I'd love to do. They never saw that side of me. So I remember doing, you know, going for uh, for some theater stuff and, and trying, all right, I started as low as I go in terms of, all right, I found a community theater that was in my town, that was right down the street. And uh, there was a role that it was the Titanic that they had to play. And the reason why I picked it, and my singing is okay, but they, the reason why I picked it, because it was 50 male principal roles. And I'm like, all right, wow. I mean, I'd be uh, that, you know, I've never, I haven't done this in years. I don't know how I'll be, but 50, I don't know, maybe it was 35, 35 principal male roles. And I'm like, all right, I at least have a chance. The thing is I didn't get cast in that. And uh, a big part of it had to do, I think, uh, because of the way my ethnicity, you know, and which that in itself got me fired up. And that got me kind of, because I went back and looked at the different plays that I could do if they're going to do, I could understand having a, I could understand non-color blind classing. I can understand that point of view. But then I went back and looked at it from a community theater play, a place and looked back. I couldn't do any place. So I, I could do maybe, I could do um, the, I could do Wizard of Oz because they had masks on and stuff. But then I'm like, oh no, but when the line and the, 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 the scarecrow, when they kind of turn back to the farmhands, the, then the mask is off. So that stuff uh, kind of lit a fire under me. And so my first thing was, a, a, I end up searching to, all right, I'm going to not settle for that. And I, I, my first thing back is in theater was a professional theater company, a company called Company One that gave me my, my first opportunity. Uh, I'm still on that board now and uh, because I'm so grateful for that opportunity that they gave me. So it was always just like one step ahead. I didn't really have this like grand goal of being in, you know, projects. It was just kind of like, all right, this next step. And I'm like, just going to take it light. I'm going to just, you know, all right, I need to... I want to try to get some lines in, in, in movies or TVs. All right, fine. Well, I need some training. So let me get some training and kind of, and then, all right, well, my training's not good enough. I got to train a little bit better. I got to practice a little bit more. I see the stuff that I'm doing wrong and I can see what I blink so many times and, and I can't remember lines here. And I, well, all right, then I'll just work on that piece. So there's never really two steps ahead. It was always kind of this one step forward for, for most of it. And that relieved a lot of pressure. Back to that point you were saying, but like a someone who's like 25 and they, they, they haven't made it and like, all right, it's over. To me, it was just like, I'm just having fun doing what I'm doing. And and it didn't have to be, if I had to be at that point in background for a while, great. I, this is kind of cool. Who I'm in finance. I'm like, you know, meetings here are so boring with charts with 50, <laughs> kind of 50 guys kind of all looking at, you know, this, you know, this kind of sterile place compared to being on set with all the things going on set, all the famous people here and the, and the explosions and the, uh, and the, the celebrityness of it, all the fans. It was so, you know, that to me was like way better than the, the boring finance side. So I'm like, yeah, this is all good. Yeah. It's, uh, as I said earlier about, you know, one of the other things that you had mentioned, I think that's, it's such an important mindset to have as actors is, because obviously there are so many actors, myself included to a degree, who have these big dreams and ambitions. But I think that you have a, a, a right mentality of just focusing on the next step ahead. Like what, what, what's the next thing going on in my life? What's, what's the next project? And how can I do the best that I possibly can in that project? And so... You know, kind of going from the the theater community world in Boston, did an agent 
find you there and that's what kind of led to some of these more high profile projects kind of what was the trajectory of doing theater and background work in boston to now doing these uh you know big shows that are on uh you know streaming platforms yeah the theater side never really connected directly to directly to the uh, film and tv side but what it did do was i started i was training and I was training as an actor. I was work, working on productions and every production was a whole, you know, kind of like a, a another semester of, of, you know, conservatory. Like that's what it was like. And it was, it was amazing. And to be able to get that kind of training while this, while, you know, not making any money, but I'm like, it doesn't matter that they're, they're giving me whatever, a few hundred bucks to, to, you know, every, you know, few weeks or something, you know, the, the, and I'm like, this is great. But the film and TV side, I, it was just all right. I, I, there was a local, there was a kind of local opportunities. But then I realized that to get to that next stage, I kind of did a lot of the kind of what was available to me in Boston. I said, well, I kind of have to go to New York. And but New York, luckily for me, this a lot of people can look at this as a negative piece. But luckily for me, I'm I could get to New York. It could it takes four and a half hours, five hours to drive sometimes, but. I can get there if I needed to. So I don't have to fly there. So in other words, it's, and I had to separate my finances from that. Like I couldn't, one thing my kind of my wife and, uh, and me as a financial planner kind of look at is, all right, I have to, I can't just throw this in like a, like money to this, like a, like a boat where I just kind of keep throwing money in. There has to be a, I have to, if, and live my kind of normal lifestyle, let's say, all right, fly down. I can't, I can't fly down multiple. I can't, I can't afford that. So it was like, all right, well, if I wanted to grind this, I'm lucky. I have I have the ability to drive there, and so I said, "All right, well, let me just start doing that." And so New York was the next target, and I'd be like, "All right, I'm started to. I needed to kind of know the community and got involved in different groups there. Most of the people who would be, you know, Brooklyn going over to Manhattan. Instead, it was me, you know, four hours before driving in, and then when the when the night finished, I would drive four or five hours back. You know, I kind of joke around that I, I did more uh, all nighters as a as a you know 30 and 40 year old that I did uh, <laughs> you know as an 18 year old 19 year old and I and I and I had a good time as, in college so you know th- that's kind of the the way I looked at it and then and so when I went out to to New York I, I would kind of do the the different meeting greets that they had and I remember the embarrassing scenarios with those I remember having you know I worked a lot of, like did all the indie films I could do locally I did a lot of the colleges and kind of worked on my kind of resume from that point of view and I remember doing some of these meeting greets with different agents and stuff and I just remembered how disappointing it was I knew right away sometimes when you went in you're like they don't they they don't want you there's no they're just here for the paycheck I could see that I remember one person looking at my resume and I had a lot of indie films and stuff and he goes and these were indie indies um you know kind of student stuff I remember him looking at it and saying hey that's you know you shouldn't put like background work in these things. And I, for some reason, I, I, I'm like, no, this isn't, in my mind, I'm like, what, what is he saying? This is not background. This is stuff, I real roles in these. These are small projects, but I didn't say anything. And I remember leaving that day feeling like, oh my God, I, I, he, he put me down and I let him put me down and I didn't, I didn't fight for myself. And I remember how, how disappointing that was. And I said, all right, I, I'm not gonna do these anymore. And that, but that lasted for like 15 minutes. And then I'm like, no, I have to, if I'm going <laughs> to, I got I have to kind of do that. That's the only way I'm going to meet people. I'm not going to, I'm not in LA going to parties with agents. It's just not happening. So I went back 
and I met this fantastic agent who I was with for many, many years, uh, Lisa Lacks. Right away, you could see she saw something in me, and right away, she, you could see that there was she. We 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 hit it off, and then and I built a career with her for for many years, and I, I only recently um, did I move on. So that's kind of how it started. Wow, that's amazing. And I mean, talk about having determination as well, going from Boston to New York. Did you did you see that at the time as like, okay, this is this is what I got to do. I'm grinding, putting the pedal to the metal, like quite literally. Or did you see it as, oh, you know, I'm just kind of casually going to New York from time to time just to explore more opportunities? No, it's putting pedal to the metal, but not really knowing where to go. I just knew there was no, the roadmap was Boston to New York. And that's the roadmap. There was no like, all right, well, if I do this, I do this. It's, I mean, I kind of knew I had to get an agent, but I didn't really know where or, or how this was going to turn out. Or, And at that point, you know, this was, this now was 2014. So 10 years ago, you know, the opportunities for me were not, not the same as they are now. And so there was a lot, so I didn't have, I just, again, back to that one step ahead. And it was kind of like the, this, this quote that I remember hearing interviews with Matt Damon, who, who's also a, a Boston guy. You know, he was saying like, I remember he, he, they used to do the trip, him and Ben Affleck used to do the trip from Boston to New York. And he would say like, I would go into these, he would go into these auditions and you'd see the kids who he'd be going against, whose mom dragged him to the, to drag those kids. <laughs> He's like, and he's like, I'm, I'm going to beat that, that kid out. That kid doesn't want it. I want it. That kid, that kid doesn't want to be here. You can see it. And I'm going to beat that kid. Out. And I had the same feeling as, as a, as a 30 some odd year old it was like, yeah, I'm, I just drove five hours. I'm probably not going to sleep tonight. I have kids at home uh, that I'll have to drive tomorrow at 7am as I do an all nighter back to Boston. So, you know, I, I'm going to want it more than that other person. And and that means training harder. That means practicing those sides harder. If it means, you know, kind of seeing where my weaknesses are. I think one strength that I think I have, and I think that's pretty important from an actor, is kind of self-awareness. The idea of where where, I'm, where places that I'm good, but but more importantly, where areas that I'm not good. And what areas of the craft that I that I really need to improve. Um, if not, if someone's not self-aware, it's, or having someone who's, who a good trusted friend or a person who can also see that. Cause you know, it's sometimes hard to see cause this, this business is so tough. It's not as, it's not like hitting a free throw in basketball and like, all right, well, I hit nine out of 10. Okay. Well, I hit eight out of 10. I can need, I need to go nine. It's, it's hard because it's, it's so subjective in many ways. And because it's subjective, it makes it hard for people sometimes to necessarily get good feedback to be able to figure out where they need to work on because it's, it's so subjective. So to me, I think having that self-awareness to realize what areas were weak, then I could work to train there or work to get the right coach to help me there, or just keep watching those areas as I would do, you know, auditions or things like that. So I knew I where to work on. And some people I think don't have that access that they, they could kind of go in circles. Was that self-awareness something that you consciously worked on and developed or is that something that just naturally since you've been you know a kid for example it's just been something that you've always been pretty good with i think it's been something i've been pretty good with but from a negative from from a negative way because i think i was always i felt kind of always like the i I was kind of friendly with a lot of people but i could i always felt like a little bit of an outcast and partially 
not really an outcast, but just I would always I was always very self aware and very sensitive to who I was, especially as a as an Asian American growing up in a an area that was that very few Asians. So a lot of times I would I was always very aware of what where I was in a room and what people thought of me and what I kind of portrayed and what I did, what I portrayed like when I was in a suit in my twenties, what I what I portrayed when I was when I you know had a Boston accent, what what I looked like if I didn't speak, and you know all those kind of things were always part of me and I think that skill set kind of helped from a career perspective and also probably the business part of it too uh, of growing my own business you know from the finance stockbroker side you have to be that way because if you keep doing the, the things that don't work you know and, and not seeing where to improve you'll you wouldn't be successful yeah oh absolutely I know something that you've also done a lot of too, Michael, is creating your own work through short films and videos specifically centered around social justice for the AAPI community. I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about that process as well. What does it mean to you as an actor to create your own work and also why specifically work in the social justice arena? Yeah, so that came that came about when, when uh, I had been now working in New York, but it, I had a little bit of a snag. There was not a lot of, I, I was kind of kind of stuck in this this co-star world, and I couldn't, wasn't getting a lot of opportunities. And I'm saying, all right, I, I now know at this point that this is what I want to definitely spend a lot of my my time in, and it, well, if it's not going to be there on a coming to me, then I'm going to create it myself. And being very passionate, always uh, having a passion uh, for Asian American stuff. Sometimes it's internal. Sometimes as I got older, it was external and internal. That here was a way to express myself. And, you know, this was a point where we could, it was a start where you could, you felt, you know, this was earlier on in YouTube where you kind of put your stuff out there. And if you had, uh, there was a community that wanted this kind of material. They, they didn't, they, you know, for years and years and years, you would never see kind of the, in this, my case, the Asian American side of stuff. It's very different than it is 10 years later now. So back then, you know, here's a, a way I could show my voice. And I felt my creative side, you know, kind of balancing the business side and the creative side. You talked about stockbroker and the actor kind of being so different. It's that, that was the strength is that it, because it was so different, I felt like I could do both, uh, you know, because both sides needed its growth, and that the the creating projects and parodies and kind of having social messages or thoughts or you know rebuttals or par you know um, clapbacks fed the creative side because I was in the business where I knew a lot of actors. It, it was great there. I had some money that you know not tons but just enough money to be able to fund some of the smaller project. You know, I mean smaller. You know. You know, in terms of um, doing that stuff, then it and we had the we had the audience too for it, and so there's a lot of our projects that have seen one one one, one parody. It's got to be over like thirty million. Uh, wow! It's it got it's like got grabbed by a you know somebody puts a videos together. We were like the top the front one. That's like you know like so it's been kind of crazy with a lot of that stuff. But once I started in that side. And really enjoying that, I could see what behind the scenes like was like from the producer side in the acting business. I could see casting. I could see what, where I wanted to cast. Was it always the best actor? No. Sometimes it was like the best actor that I could trust. 
was a big part of it. The trust factor of someone who would be reliable and not flake on me in the last minute was more important necessarily than the, always the best actor or someone um, who, you know, I knew would be, would be, you know, with us all the way through as a team rather than just a, for, a you know, for hire person coming in and out. But they would have, they would be with us for the film festival circuit or they would be with us to, you know, promoting it, you know, online too. And you could see, I could see from the producing side what was important. So that helped a lot from the acting side. And when I kind of put my, my thoughts and stuff towards the creative side, when the acting stuff came up, it was less pressure. There was less pressure for every audition to be all of a sudden like, oh my God, if I don't get this, I don't can't pay rent or if I don't do this, what am I going to do? Like I have no other projects to work on. To me, it was like, all right, well, if I don't have, if I don't get this audition, I could actually see myself continue to create and doing that. And of course, by doing that and lessening the pressure there made my auditions better. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I think it's a, a really important lesson for our actors tuning in today, the importance of, of creating your own work. And I imagine too, through doing these projects, you felt more fulfilled as an artist. And in some ways, as you were just mentioning, it prepared you for other jobs outside of the work that you were creating. Yeah. And I could, I could make the areas that I, you know, I could make the roles that I wanted. Uh, a lot of times it didn't really focus around me as an actor. It was really focused on the met, the story that we needed to tell. Um, but when you view things differently, you, see, you can see things from the, what a director, creator, producer needs to see on screen and what you needed to convey in that story and what those actors had to convey, it, it helps on the other side. So when you're like, you know, and, and it helps in terms of, all right, I know why I need to see their reaction there. I need to see both sides of their face. I need to see that a bigger reaction here because that's not that's going to make the joke. Or, you know, you start to see that side of it that I didn't see before. Right. Absolutely. It really, it's amazing just how much you've uh, accomplished in in your life but both in in the financial world and then also in your career as an actor as well i know that you also you know faced a really tragic loss last year and if you feel open about talking that about that i, I would love to just ask you how do you like come from that and be able to still be able to stay focused on your work how does it perhaps inform your work as well and, and, and I, I guess like, how, how do you continue to be able to create creatively as an artist after having gone, gone through such a tragic loss? Sure. Um, so you're referring to my, the death of my, my oldest daughter, who is 19 years old, who passed away about a year ago. I'm so sorry about that, too. Thank you. Uh, in September 2022. And it's tough. I mean, so I don't have any answers there. I mean, because it's a work in progress. But it makes you look at life very differently when you lose a child or some, not necessarily a child, but just, you know, kind of that type of, when you have that kind of very close tragedy and it puts things in perspective, but I'm, so I'm very open to a lot of like the signs that I've got and things and, and it's pretty been an uncanny scenario this whole last year. Um, but so my daughter, she was 19. So she was basically there since the beginning of my, my career. And she, the last father's day before, she passed she had a few months before she passed she had wrote me a, a letter and she had found this 
this notebook that I used to write to her every time I would go to, you know, gigs, whether or not it was a, you know, background on a show and I got a chance to meet, you know, I got a chance to meet some sort of Kevin Bacon or I got a chance to, you know, meet Matt Damon or Leonardo DiCaprio or this. I would write this note to her and I'm like, hey, daddy's care trying to do this. And, and I, it, it started when she was young. So I started writing it when she was, you know, really young. She probably at some point couldn't read at that earlier stages of it. And then we keep writing it every time I would go off. Well, she found that notebook and that diary and uh, gave it back to me on that last Father's Day. And what she realized, because as a, as a teenager, she, like many other teenagers, like my other younger two uh, daughters who are teenagers as well, they're, you know, they, they're not the easiest to deal with. And there's, there's not a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of pushback and fight back. But she, this Father's Day was very different. Um, she came and said, I didn't realize after seeing that diary, she goes, I never realized how hard you worked in this. Cause they would make fun of me on stuff, not make fun of me, just like, oh, why are you doing this? You're not getting paid for this. Like you're getting paid, through, why don't you focus more on work stuff? Like, why are you doing, you know, why are you driving all the way to New York here? Why, you know, do you have something that's happening? Or, you know, they, they would just kind of give me all that kind of crap. <laughs> and she, by seeing though, the, the diary, she realized it was a compilation of, of the things that I'd done throughout the years and how in the beginning was really, you know, just, just, you know, background work. I was trying to, I was just, I was, and, and how I was trying to improve get there, maybe get a line thrown at me, maybe, you know, and she followed that throughout the years. And so she wrote a letter to me and said, dad, I can't, this is not normal. She never would do something like this, but this year she did. She goes, I couldn't, I, I'm so proud of you for all the things that I didn't realize I gave you too much, like I gave you too much pushback. I didn't realize how hard it was for you and how far you've come since then. And I can't, I'm so, you know, lucky that, you know, that I can, that I can say that I have a, you know, famous actor dad as my, my dad, you know, definitely, you know, she embellished a little bit, but, but still, uh, I love the fact that, uh, you know, it was, that she saw that. And because of that, it ties her and I together in this. So now what happened was I had, beginning of 2022, I had some of the best roles I've ever had. And, but beginning, starting with The Resident, uh, where I had a, a top of show guest star on, it, it's the, the, the auditions I started going for were connected to hospitals and connected to dads with grieving and and it was like show after show started, that happened. Uh, and then first, wow. uh, you know, regular uh, on a series was City on Fire, which I play a dad who, whose daughter gets shot. My daughter died in a car accident, but got shot. And, and his, and the whole through line of the, of the series is me with, is my part of it is, is my relationship with my daughter and potentially losing her. And the, show wrapped and two months later my daughter actually passed but every almost every scene including the the hospital room including the bandages on her head including the the conversations with the doctors including the room itself including the angle the where it was in the room the everything was almost exactly the same thing that happened to my daughter in real life so it was, it was definitely a life wow. art scenario and it to me, what it was, was that I look at that as a gift for my daughter from a 
from a point of view of um, like she gave me that role, my biggest in my career. And it was for to help prepare me for her death a few months later. And I remember, and in the room in City on Fire, there are pictures. They had, they needed pictures for the rooms. Chase We Wonders plays my my daughter in City on Fire, and they needed pictures. And the pictures are my daughter and I throughout that hospital room. That's throughout the series, and it's um, and after that, the day the day we got the news in September that that something had happened. I had an audition. It was four scenes, and I it, it was for this new series called Linus. It's a Taylor Sheridan series with Zoe Saldana and Nicole Kidman, and I put in a bunch of I put in two scenes. Was went to play pickleball to to kind of and was going to do the rest, and then we got the news, and I never finished the rest. But my friend who had the tapes, Ian sent the tapes in anyways uh, to my agent, and. I got cast in that role. It's a, it's a recurring role on, on the series. And what it wow. is the doctor uh, who, who, the friend of the family, the doctor who takes in a daughter and her friends who get hit by a car and from the doctor's perspective. And and the way Taylor Sheridan stuff is, it's very much like kind of like a war movie. It's not like a Grey's Anatomy where it's, you know, cut, cut, cut. It, this was like a 80 extra kind of scene. And I was the doctor the doctor who kind of took them in uh, as they came into the emergency room, which is exactly what happened to my daughter. Probably, you know, I could imagine that was exactly what happened to my daughter two months before. And, you know, roll after roll. And another run was I had a, a guest lead on, on uh, Law and Order Organized Crime, and it was about a father, the whole grieving for his trying to find his son. And it was a, uh, but a same kind of scenario where I could tap into that piece. And when I, your, back to your original question of like, how do you continue and, you know, on with some of these things. When I, when I do act, I kind of feel like I go to another level of consciousness and spirituality that, that ties into my daughter. And so when I have these scenes, especially ones that are, you know, emotional, that ones that, that is a father child relationship and especially a loss or some, you know, grieving or some sort of emotional scenario of trying to save, save a child for me to get to that place is pretty traumatic, but not necessarily traumatic in the negative way. It's been, it's actually traumatic in a, in a, in a good way because I get a chance to be closer, you know, to my daughter when I'm, you know, in these roles. So yeah, that, that's kind of the, that's kind of how it's been. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, I, I I can't even imagine, and it's your your approach and what you were talking about is is incredible, uh, and and I think encompasses what it means to be an artist. And you talking about kind of you know kind of going into this kind of subconscious state and. And seeing kind of your art as a way to connect with your daughter is so beautiful. And so I hope, you know, our, our listeners who are tuning in, who, who might be going through a, a, a similar sort of tragedy as well, I hope they take your words to heart and, 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 and think about how, okay, if something like this happens to 
not necessarily give up, but to really have this opportunity to be able to continue to connect. Yes. And it didn't have, it doesn't necessarily have, I took it that way and I, and she is my motivation to, to continue that. Um, but I could see it also being having the other way. It could, it could have went the other way. I happened to take it that direction, but I, but there's no shame in having it the other way too, where something uh, happens like that. And people say, I want it. I don't, I don't want to continue down the race like that at, or as, as dedicated, like it, what, what, what do, what does life really mean at that point? And maybe that pursuit or that hustle pursuit to try to be an actor and get further, maybe that's the opposite of what they want. So there's no shame in the other way, uh, the other way of reacting as well. I just happen to kind of, I kind of thrive in that side and, um, but, but no shame if it was the other way. Michael, I, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to join us on ActorCast. You really have this incredible story uh, in, in just your life experience and how you're bringing it to the industry. We need more voices like yourself in the industry, and I'm so... I'm so honored to be able to have you on the show to share your story. And, and it sounds like you have so many exciting projects that you've done that are coming up as well. So thank you so much for joining us on the show before signing off. I'm just wondering if you could share with our listeners where they could find out more information about you and your work, where they could see you and perhaps any upcoming projects. Sure. Uh, well, hopefully by the time this airs, you can see me as a uh, pro pickleball player. Um, but uh, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous of that. By the way, I I've been wanting to get into pickleball. It looks so like so much fun. It is so much fun. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, un, uh, I I don't think that's going to be a realistic uh, goal <laughs> this year. This year, but I, but it is my goal for further. Down. Wow. Uh, but yeah, I'm on Instagram, Michael Dato, and uh, you know, City on Fire is out on Apple. Uh, Linus probably would have come out by now, which will be on Paramount Plus with uh, Zoe Saldana and Nicole Kidman. I'll make sure to include the links to uh, social media in our show notes. So all our listeners out there, all you have to do is scroll down, click in those show notes, uh, and the various links will be provided in there. And definitely go and check out all the shows that, that Michael is in and is coming up in as well. Michael, do you have any parting words of advice for our actors today? I think, I think if you love this craft, if you love this career, then pursue it with whatever, with 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 all that you can. And uh, even if it's not necessarily financially fulfilling, or what your parents might want, or what your spouse or family might want, or but if you really love this career you can do it. it 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 might not necessarily be you might not you might have to su support it with something else you might have to kind of make that picture of a acting career different than what you maybe had entailed at first maybe it's on the side maybe it's it's doing theater on the weekend maybe it's doing community theater maybe it's but if if you do love uh acting uh to me it's a shame to to not to not continue to go for it even if it might not necessarily be the same vision that you had initially going in because it's such a uh, I think it's an a, amazing art to be able to um, to be a part of absolutely Michael thank you so much again for joining us on the show thanks so much Patrick appreciate it 
Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of ActorCast. You can head to ActorCast.fm and leave us a review to let us know what you thought of this episode. If you haven't already done so, sign up for our newsletter to get the latest and greatest information on upcoming guests, showcases, and much more. I look forward to catching you all in the next episode, and you know what time it is. It's time to go out and create.